Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Worf. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. Uh, as you're turning to John chapter 10, I want to encourage us to take the next step of our spiritual development and start attending our Thursday night midweek service here at our Paramount location. Every Thursday, we meet together in the sanctuary, worship, pray, study God's word, we fellowship, we have youth ministry that night, children's ministry that night. So I invite you to come on out on Thursday nights as another step of your spiritual development. Uh, as we turn to John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, uh, I want to remind us that we gather uh, along with billions of other followers of Jesus Christ uh, to center our attention around the Word of God. Uh, this is a huge part of who we are as Christians, the Word of God. Someone say, Word of God. We uh, gather to give our attention to the Word of God. We gather to give our obedience to the Word of God. We gather to allow the Word of God to mold us and to shape us and to form us and sometimes even to correct us. <clears throat> so it's a huge part of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ to regularly come together and gather around the Word of our King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So let's turn to John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and I'll read. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice, yet they will no, by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Now that phrase right there gives me encouragement because how many times have we read the Bible and we don't understand what it says the first time around? And so we need God to really speak to our hearts. That's why every time you read the Bible, you should pray, Lord, open up my mind, open up my eyes. I want to remind you that the Bible is not just an ordinary book. The Bible is the Word of God, and it contains the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God. And we cannot understand spiritual things with a fleshly kind of approach. The Bible is a spiritual book that we need the Holy Spirit Open up our eyes. Someone say amen. Look at verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again. Someone say again. Uh, by the way, circle that word if you have your Bible because we need to thank God for again. Sometimes we don't get it the first time. Sometimes we need his mercy again, his love again. Sometimes we need again and again and again. Someone say amen. So it says, most assuredly I say to you. I am the door of the sheep. 
All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray for understanding. We pray for strength. We pray for faith. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone says, amen. As you remember, on the weekends, we are studying the I am statements of Jesus. And we're praying and saying, Lord, reveal yourself to us in a fresh way. Help us to understand who you are. And remember, the more we know who Jesus is, the more we fall in love with Jesus. The more we know who Jesus is, the more faith we have in his word. Remember that. That's why we're studying about who Jesus is. Because we don't want to fall in love with Jesus merely off what he does. But we want to fall in love with Jesus based on who he is. And here in this passage of scripture, Jesus gives us another profound revelation of who he is. We've already studied that he said, I am the light. We've already studied that he said, I am the resurrection. We already studied that he said, I am the bread of life. But here in verse 7, he says, I am the door of the sheep. And then again in verse 9, which I'm going to put on the screen, he reaffirms this profound truth. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I, wanna, I want us to linger on this scripture for our time today. I want us to think about this scripture. I want us to meditate upon this scripture. What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the door? What does he mean by that? First, I want to remind us that a door speaks of access. Someone say access. A door is a place of access. A door is a place of entry. So when Jesus says, I am a door, Jesus gives us understanding that he is the access to the powerful blessings that our Heavenly Father has for the world. That there are many things that the Heavenly Father has for the world, and the only way you're going to access those things is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you think of door, think of access. Someone say access. Now, what is Jesus a door to? What is he a door to? I want us to linger on verse 9, and I'm going to identify Three spiritual needs uh, that Jesus uh, opens up to us. Three spiritual needs that Jesus the door gives us access to. The first one is Jesus is the door to salvation. Jesus is the door to salvation. Now look at verse 9. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Someone say saved. Now, this Greek word saved uh, is 
sozo in the Greek language. And it means delivered safe. It means delivered safe and sound. It is the Greek word sozo, and it speaks of salvation, and it means to be rescued, to be rescued. And it describes a person who had come through a bad storm. It describes a person who has come through a bad storm. Has Jesus ever delivered anybody from a storm in life? Has Jesus ever led you through a storm in life? This word sozo also describes a person who has survived a war. Survived a war. Has it felt like the enemy has ignited bombs in your life? Has Jesus ever delivered you from a battle in life? This word also describes a person who was acquitted at court. Acquitted at court. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you've ever been in court. But what I want you to notice is that this word encompasses everybody. That when Jesus says, I am the door, he's making an exclusive statement to salvation. That the emphasis here is not on salvation itself, but that Jesus is the only way to salvation. This is what I want to point out. This is what I want to get today. Is that when Jesus says, I am the door, the emphasis is not on salvation itself, but that Jesus is the only way to salvation. And we need to remind ourselves that Jesus is the only way to a relationship with God. That Jesus is the only way to eternal life. That Jesus is the only way to forgiveness of our sins. It's important for us to remind ourselves of this because we live in a generation that will tell you that there's many roads to heaven, that there's many ways to heaven, but that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught that he is the only way to a relationship with the Father, that he is the only way to eternal life, that he is the only way that you could have access to the forgiveness of sins and to the removal of guilt and shame, that he is the only way. In fact, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Are you following along? When he says, I am the door, he's pointing out that he is the only way to salvation. And he reaffirms this over and over again in the Bible. In Matthew 7, verse 13, he says, enter through the narrow gate. Someone say narrow gate. That word gate is an also word for door. He says, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. Now I want to remind us that there are many tests in this world that you could score low on and you'll still be okay. There are many tests in this world that you could even fail and you will still be okay. But this is not one of those tests. You need to get this test 
100% right. Why? Because this is what the Bible teaches, that Jesus is the only way to salvation, that he is the only way into the kingdom of God, that he is the only way into eternal life. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? In John chapter 4, verse 12, let me reaffirm this. It says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given under, to mankind by which we must be saved. Notice that. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you must be saved. you got to settle this in your heart. Salvation is not in any other name. It is not in the name of good works. It's not in the name of Buddha. It's not in the name of Confucius. It's not in the name of Muhammad. It is only in the name of Jesus Christ. And we got to remind ourselves of this. And we cannot back down from this biblical truth. This is the reason why when you come to Chapel of Change, we preach Jesus. We teach Jesus. We worship Jesus. We exalt Jesus. We magnify Jesus. Why? There is salvation in no other name. Someone shout amen. So Jesus is the door to salvation. Secondly, Jesus is the door to freedom. Someone shout freedom. Go back to verse 9. We're lingering on verse 9 today. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And get this last phrase, or next phrase. And will go in and out. Notice that phrase. Circle it in your Bible. And he will go in and out. What does this mean? What does this mean? Well, Jesus empowers us to go in and out. What does this phrase mean? Let's, let me help us understand. Uh, this was a Hebrew phrase for going about one's business. This was a Hebrew phrase for going about one's business. You've heard this phrase before in the Bible. Let me remind you. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 6, it says, you will be blessed when you come in and you will be blessed when you go out. So this phrase, come in and out, is the idea of being able to participate in everyday living. It points to the freedom of a person to act or not to act. Jesus said, I am the door. He who enters in will be saved and will go in and out, in and out. It is a phrase that points to freedom. It is a phrase that points to deliverance, that Jesus doesn't just save your soul, but he saves your entire life, and he frees you to be the individual that God has called you to be. In Psalms 121, verse 8, it says, The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So that is freedom. Someone shout freedom. freedom. You're not shackled anymore uh, by depression. 
You're not caged anymore by fear. You're not confined anymore by financial challenges. You are now free to live, free to love, free to forgive, free to have mercy. You have full range of your life. You're not shackled. You're not contained. You're not caged, but you're free as a bird. Someone shout amen. This is what Jesus means. When you, when you enter into Jesus, when, when, when you go through the door, he empowers you to live a free lifestyle. In Psalms 18, 19, it says, he brought me out, which speaks of salvation. Anybody thankful that God brought you out? Did God bring you out of anything? Uh, has God brought anybody out of anything? So, so that speaks of salvation. He brought me out. But guess what? He doesn't stop there. He brought me out into a spacious place. He brought me out into a spacious place. He has expanded my territory. He's enlarged my borders. This is what salvation does. We are free to love. We are free to forgive. We are free to give. Every, every now and then, uh, I'll treat somebody to lunch. And let me tell you something. It feels good to buy somebody lunch. Uh, some of y'all missed your opportunity. You, you never bought nobody lunch before. You don't understand. It feels good to be able to pull your wallet out and say, no, no, don't worry about it. I'm going to pay for this. That's the in and out. That's the freedom. That's the full range of motion in life. Listen. Once the devil loses the battle for your spiritual salvation, the next thing he tries to do is cage you. The next thing he tries to do is confine you. The next thing he tries to do is shackle you, whether it's through depression, whether it's through a demon, whether it's through anxiety, whether it's through financial difficulty. He, he wants you stuck. He wants you stuck. He don't want you to have a full range of motion. And one of the biggest benefits of the kingdom of God is our Christian freedom. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Someone shout freedom. See, when your life is filled with stress, you may be saved, but you're not free. When your life is filled with limitations, you may be saved, but you're not free. When your life is filled with bitterness, you may be saved, but you're not free. When your life is filled with anger, you may be saved, but you're not free. One of the most frustrating places to be at in life is saved, but not free. One of the most frustrating, teeth-grinding places to be in life is to be saved but not free. Saved but still shackled by fear. Saved but still shackled by anger. Saved but still shackled by bitterness or lust or tormenting thoughts. One of the most frustrating places to be is saved but stuck. Saved but not set free. I remember many years ago when I was a teenager, I ran away from home. And I got arrested, and they sent me to uh, the youth prison in Norwalk. They, at one time, had a youth prison over there. And when you go into the youth prison over there, you hear that there's a, a building where the cells 
are on the side or facing the park in the community. Because Norwalk is a city, it's not like a bunch of farmland. The youth prison is in the middle of a community. And they said, man, if everybody wants to go to that building because the cells there, they face the park and you could see into the park. You could see in the park. So everybody wanted to go to that building. And I remember I was in orientation and they said, Brian, pack up your bags. You're going to the building that has the park side on it. And man, I got excited like everybody else. Wow, I'm excited. And I went to, to, to that cell or to that room. And, and, and I, I was excited to be there because I was going to be able to see the park. And I was so excited. But it didn't last long. It didn't last long because my excitement turned into frustration. You know why? Because my nose was pressed against that window, looking at everybody come in and out of the park. Looking at everybody come in and out of the playground, in and out of the soccer field. While I was stuck with my nose pressed against the window, dreaming about what could have been. It was a, it was a terrible image of Christians who are saved but stuck. Christians who are saved but still shackled down. You could see the promised land, but you ain't experiencing the promised land. Jesus is the door to freedom. And I praise God that today I can live now. Today I'm free now. Today I could be a father now. Today I could be a husband now. Today I can breathe the, the, the air in the community no matter how bad it is. Today, I praise God that I can drive down the 5, 405 freeway, even in all the traffic. And in the last 15 years, it only got me upset two times. I could roll down my window and I could turn up my Christian worship and exalt the Lord in the middle of traffic. Why? Because I'm free. I'm free to live. I'm free to be. I'm free. The Lord is expanding territory. And when you go through that door, God wants to expand it more and more and more and more. The world today is a museum to me. The world today is a museum to me. See, you, you would only appreciate freedom if you understand what it means to be shackled down. If you understand what it means to be shackled down in your mind, then you really appreciate when you get your mind free. If you, if you really understand what it means to be shackled down in life, then when you get free, you're going to appreciate everything, even the heat in this room. Hello, somebody. You're going to appreciate that. Thank God for the heat. Because some people don't got a million-dollar building. Some people are worshiping the Lord underneath the sun. Some people worship the Lord in the, in the rain. I seen a picture of the church in the Philippines. That their church was flooded with water, and they were still worshiping the Lord. Wet and soaky, but still worshiping the Lord. Someone shout amen. So Jesus is the door to freedom. And then lastly, lastly, Jesus is the door to satisfaction. Go back to verse 9. We're going to linger on that just a little bit longer. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, that's one, and will go in and out, that's two, look at this last phrase, and find pasture. Someone say pasture. By the way, have you ever noticed that every time I bring to you a main reflection, I always root it in the scripture? 
Have you ever noticed that? Like I'll, I'll bring to you a main reflection and I'll say, Jesus is the door to salva- uh, satisfaction. And I'll say, this is where I get it from. I'll point you to the scripture. Like here is where we get that from. The reason why I'm doing that is because my responsibility is not to bring you no big idea. My responsibility is to show you what the word of the Lord says. To feed you the word of God. So he says, listen, I'm the door. You enter it in, you will find pasture. Someone say pasture again. Uh, That word pasture literally means grazing land. Grazing land. And it's a picture of plush green hills. Remember, we are the sheep. He is the shepherd. And sheep need pastures to survive. And this word is a picture of plush green hills and speaks of salvation or satisfaction, rather. It speaks of satisfaction. And you've heard this word before. Let me remind you. In Psalms 23, verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. You've heard this word before. Let me remind you. Ezekiel 34, verse 14, he says, God says, I will feed them in good pasture. This word pasture speaks of satisfaction. It it, it speaks of grazing land, green hills. And by the way, by the way, this church is part of God's green pastures for your life. This church right here, every Bible study, every woman's abide discipleship, every Kingsman discipleship, every fellowship, it's part of God's green pastures for your soul. Why? Because every time you come, you're eating off of the Spirit of God. You're eating from the Word of God. And it's nourishing your spirit and your mind. And it's even affecting your bodies too. So we must remind ourselves that It is only in Jesus we find satisfaction of our souls. Got to remind ourselves of this. We got to regularly remind ourselves of this. That Psalms 107 verse 9 says, he satisfies the longing soul. Got to remind ourselves of this. We can't forget about this. We got to regularly hold it up before us. You know why? You know why? Because there's a void in every human heart that cries out for satisfaction. Got to remind ourselves of this. You know why? Because everywhere you turn around in this world, there's going to be a sign. There's going to be a commercial. There's going to be a person that is going to lie to you and say the grass is greener on the other side. Got to remind ourselves of this. There's a void in every human heart. And every person in the world wants to know what will make them happy. Every person in the world wants to know what will truly uh, satisfy the desires of their heart. And we got to remind ourselves, followers of Jesus Christ, that it is only in Jesus we find satisfaction of our souls. In fact, Jesus said in John 4, 14, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst that speaks of satisfaction and I often tell the singles in our in our church that you need to learn to live with Jesus before you try to learn to live with someone else 
That if you cannot live with Jesus, you're not going to be able to live with anybody else because no person, no thing was created to fill the void in your heart as Jesus was or is. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs. We gotta be careful, my brothers and sisters. We gotta guard our hearts and minds because the world will lie to you and tell you the grass is greener on the other side. She's prettier on the other side. He's more handsome on the other side. That thing is more shiny on the other side. The problem is that in every generation, and if we could talk like family, all of us at some point in our life, hopefully we've grown out of it, but all of us at some point of our time, we turn to something other than God to seek the satisfaction that we need. Hopefully we've grown out of it, but all of us at some point in time, we turn to something else. As children, we thought it might be the toy that we begged our parents to buy us. My, my kids at some, you know, a year or two ago, their, their, their rooms would be cluttered with toys. Cluttered with toys. You know why? Because they're living out the predicament of their heart. They thought that that toy would satisfy their heart. And so we give it to them, and within two weeks, they throw it to the side, and they're on to the next toy. They're living out the predicament of the human heart. As teenagers, we thought, Satisfaction will come in athletic accomplishments or, or good grades or even some of us thought it was in getting our driver's license. Remember when you got your driver's license? Anybody remember when you got your driver's license? I got my driver's license at 16 years old. Some people don't get their driver's license until they're 25 nowadays. I still remember when I got my driver's license. I was so excited. I was so pumped up, I treated myself to breakfast. I didn't ask my mom for no money. I treated myself to breakfast. I drove myself to breakfast. Didn't want nobody to go with me. I drove by myself. Paid for it myself. I thought my driver's license was going to bring me out. I arrived. Within three months, I didn't want to drive anywhere. Within three months, I don't want to go nowhere. Why? Because nothing is meant to satisfy the hole in your heart as Jesus is. And even in adulthood, some of us think by getting a bigger house, we're going to be satisfied. Or, or, or getting a spouse, we're going to be satisfied. Or getting a raise, we're going to be satisfied. The, the, the challenge is, my brothers and sisters, the devil is so strategic that he always moves the goal line. I want to remind you, he always moves the goal line. And so you sacrifice and you go, let me just put in a couple more hours. Let me just be away. And you hit that line and next you know he moves it again. Got to learn to be satisfied with Jesus. We're not the only generation that does this. In the prophet Jeremiah's generation, they had this too in, in Jeremiah 2 verse 13. He says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me. The spring of living water, that's the source of satisfaction, and have dug their own cisterns, 
broken cisterns that cannot hold water. They've forsaken God. They got their own buckets to fill up, thinking that those buckets will satisfy their soul. And they learn the hard way that every bucket in this world has holes in it. And that scripture, it reminds me of that woman at the well. Remember her in John chapter 4? Remember the woman at the well in John chapter 4? She had a bucket in her hand and she would regularly go to the well and she had to keep going back to the well. You know why? Because she was going to the wrong well. She had to keep going back because she was going to the wrong well. Even though it was hot during the day, even though it was hurting her, she had to go back to try to fill her bucket. because She was going to the wrong well until one day she saw the living well sitting next to the earthly well. Leave it to Jesus to be creative. The living well sitting next to the earthly well he shows her a picture of her life in one snapshot. That her picture of her going to that earthly well over and over again was a metaphor for her life because she had four or five different boyfriends and none of them filled the gap in her heart. And so you have the living well sitting next to an earthly well and Jesus gives that lady an encounter with Almighty God. and Something powerful happens in that lady's life. In John chapter 4, verse 28, it says the woman left her water jar beside the well. She encountered Jesus. She did something powerful. You know what she did? She dropped her bucket. Someone say, drop your bucket. She dropped her bucket. That thing that she was holding on to, that she thought can satisfy her soul, that she was clinging on to in the middle of the hot day, she kept going back and forth. When she finally encountered the Savior, she dropped her bucket. We all have buckets in life. We all have buckets in life that we try to cling on to, whether it's a new job bucket or a new girlfriend bucket or a new church bucket or a raise bucket or new friend bucket. And God all, all along is telling us to drop your bucket and cling on to me. St. Augustine wrote years ago, he said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until it rests in you. And I say this to everybody here, but particularly to the young people here. There's nothing in this world that will fill the hole in your heart. Nothing created was designed to fill the hole in your heart. You must go back to your creator to fill the hole in your heart. Don't chase after people. Don't chase after things. Don't chase after status. You will ruin your life. You will waste your life. Prayerfully one day you'll wake up, but you'll waste years of your life. Learn to be satisfied 
Jesus alone. And you'll never be dependent upon no one else in your life. And so Jesus in John 9, he calls us to action. In John 10, 9, I am the door if anyone enters by me. It's a call to anyone. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what situation you're in. It's a call to anyone. He says, if anyone, this is, this is a big call. You've been roaming around for too long. It's time to enter in. Why spend your life outside of the kingdom of God? It's time to enter in. Receive the salvation of the Lord. Receive the blessing of the Lord. But you've got to come to Jesus. You've got to come to Jesus. You've got to drop your bucket. You've got to come to Jesus. So I guess the word for the Lord, of the Lord for us today is drop your bucket and come to Jesus. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe there's someone here who's clinging on to a bucket. Maybe you're clinging on to a relationship to fill the, the gap in your heart. Maybe you're clinging on to a status to feel, fill it. Maybe you're clinging on to something that's taken the place of God. The call of Jesus is to drop your bucket and to enter into the salvation of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to think of if that's you who needs to drop your bucket. I want you to think of it, it's you, if it's you who needs to enter in to the freedom of Christ and the satisfaction of the Lord. Let's bow our heads in a moment of reflection and prayer as the worship team plays lightly in the background. Let's bow our heads. Think about what God was saying to you. head bowed and every eye closed if you're here today and you need to get right with God you need to drop your bucket which symbolizes something in this world that you're holding on to you need to cling on to Jesus you need to repent from your sins if that's you today I want to want to lead you in a prayer a simple prayer of surrender I want to help you enter in to your salvation. While everybody remains in atmosphere of prayer and reflection, if there's anybody in the house today that needs to respond to Jesus Christ and repent from your sins, I want to pray with you right where you're at. And I'm going to ask that you just respond to the Lord by standing up on your feet right now. Just stand up on your feet right now. I see you in the back. I see you. I see you. We'll wait a couple moment, moments. You need to surrender to the Lord. Repent from your sins. For those of you who stood up, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. But I want you to say it from your heart. Don't just repeat the words. Mean the words. 
then I'm going to pray for you. Say this prayer with me. Lord God, I am sorry. Please forgive me. I messed up. I've turned from you, but today I turn back to you. I surrender to you, Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus. I trust in you, Jesus. Help me to follow after you. Help me to obey you. Help me, Lord. I drop the buckets in my life and I cling on to you. I cling on to you, Lord. I surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray for those who stood up, Lord God. I pray that you fill them freshly with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father God, that you give them a zeal for you. I pray, God, that you give them a spirit of obedience to obey you, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that they don't seek satisfaction from the things of this world, but they abide in you. Oh, Lord God, develop them in Christ. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise you. May be seated. As Pastor Martin comes up, for those of you who stood up today to surrender your life to the Lord, let me just speak into your life for a couple moments as Pastor Martin comes up. If you stood up today and you surrendered your life to the Lord, I want to assure you by the power of God's word, you are saved, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, and you are going to heaven. By the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. You surrendered your heart to Jesus. You repented from your sins. You are saved. You are sealed. The Lord has sanctified you. Now, your responsibility is to grow in the Lord. Your responsibility is to grow in your knowledge of Jesus. Your responsibility is to grow in the knowledge of or, or I should say, grow in your obedience to Jesus, your responsibility is to allow God to continue to develop you spiritually, emotionally, and to expand your freedom. Expand your freedom in this world. How do you do that? Well, it involves praying in the morning before you go to work or school. It involves studying your Bible in the morning before you go to work or school. And I want to encourage you to increase your fellowship with the church. I want to encourage you to increase your engagement in the church. If you have not already, I encourage you to take the next step and start attending Thursday nights where we fellowship and we study the Bible and we pray and we learn and and we grow together. We have youth here. We have adults in the sanctuary. Our deaf family meet in the fellowship hall. So you got to take a step forward. You are saved, but now you got to grow. You are saved, but now you have to grow. And those are some ways that we grow. And as you obey God, 
He's going to expand your freedom even more. Your freedom even more. And our prayer is that you be all that God has called you to be. Now take, for instance, let's think about Pastor Irene for a second. Not everybody here is called to be a pastor, but everybody has a calling from God. Maybe you're called to be a teacher. Maybe you're called to be a, a businesswoman. Maybe you're called uh, to be a firefighter. Whatever your calling is, just take her for example. We baptized her about 12 years ago. And then step by step, she obeyed the Lord. Step by step, she obeyed the Lord. Step by step. And now she is functioning in her purpose in life. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? We want the same for everybody in the sanctuary. We want you to take that step, take that step, and function as who God called you to be, whatever that is. But it happens step by step, step by step by step in the name of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise Pastor Martin. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. Congratulations to those of you that accepted Jesus Christ. What a, what a blessing. And now as we get ready to transition to our giving, it's worship unto the Lord. We tithe to the Lord. We give out of the resources he gives to us. This is what Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 16 verses 1 and 2 from the New Living Translation. He says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, in Paramount, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia, in Long Beach, in Carson, and in Whittier. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside how many of you work, how many of you get paid. How many of you tithe to the Lord? You don't have to raise your hand. That's something that's between you and God. Amen. But this is what Paul is telling the church. On the first day of the week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. That is the worship that we bring to the Lord and say, God, I thank you for continually providing for me and for my family. And sometimes it won't be easy, but it is a sacrifice that we bring to God and it reaches him as a fragrant aroma that is well-pleasing to him. As the ushers come forward, I have a few announcements for those of you that want to give by debit. We have a machine in the back that will facilitate that giving. You can give by the envelopes that are behind your seats as well. You can give online, chapelofchange.org, or you can text to the numbers that are on the screen, or you can use a QR code. We try to make it as easy as possible and as convenient as possible for you to worship the Lord through your giving. As the announcements go on, we have our Women's Abide gathering here in Paramount on the 27th. For those of you that want more women, for those of you that want more information, you can see Pastor Sandy, amen, woman of God, definitely. And we have our Spanish ministry on Fridays with Victor and Rosa. Rosa, lift up your hand. We have a Bible study. 
Amen. And we have our men's discipleship every Saturday at 9 a.m. here. You can come, men. You say, well, I don't do anything on Saturday. You can come to this campus at 9 a.m. and you will get fed the word. You will be encouraged by the men of God that come to this ministry. Will you do me a favor? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, God. Father, we celebrate with those that have accepted you as Lord and Savior of their lives as the Holy Spirit continually works in them, through them and around them, Lord God. We give you the glory and the honor because of your provisions in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, you are released. and leaders to the altar if you're a young adult in the house our young adult meets on Wednesday nights in the fellowship hall so all young adults I encourage you to get connected with our young adult discipleship group it is our tradition to close out with a blessing so don't ever leave until you receive your blessing and we teach the church if you lift up your hands unto the Lord we'll pronounce a blessing over you for this week in the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you could live, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who fills you with power, may you go this week with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope to see you Thursday night. Go in peace.